Good morning. Great to see all of you. And um, again, special welcome if you're a guest with us today. It's uh, truly our privilege to have you with us. Isn't that great outside? Uh, love. I was watching out the window, uh, second floor, and all the kids down there with their parents. And what a, what a blast for them to be able to have that time together. I, um, every week I look forward to this opportunity to worship God with you. And uh, I, want, I just want to echo what uh, Jeff said last Sunday about our 365 challenge where we're not only uh, reading through the Bible this year, but we've, we're doing it with the goal of reading the Bible every day so that on a daily basis we're giving God the opportunity to, to speak into our lives, to guide us, and to give us the strength that we need to really live the best, the best kind of life, the life that God's created for each, for each one of us. And, uh, you know, I... I um, I guess I, I want to congratulate you, like Jeff did last Sunday. If you've, um, you've been on this journey and you finished uh, reading the Old Testament, you know, way to go. Especially your dog determination to make it through the prophets, you know. I mean, those, there were some times there, right? If you're on this journey, you're going like, I don't know if I can, if I can keep, this thing, keep this thing going. So congrats, uh, congratulations if you did that. And I also say this is a great on-ramp opportunity for you. Uh, to uh, come on board with us in this journey because we've gone from the Old Testament and this, uh, we've just turned into the, into the New Testament. And uh, with our reading plan, uh, we're, we're actually beginning with the Gospel of Luke rather than with the uh, Gospel of Matthew. And uh, I don't know if, you, if uh, you, you take a look at this, you'll see we're only in, uh, today we're only in Luke chapter 12. And so what I would say is just grab one of these out in Connection Corner or go on our website online and and uh, just click the uh, 365 icon, and uh, you'll find everything you need uh, to be able to do, do this. And uh, I would just say, just start with chapter 12, where we're at today, and then when you have time, you can go back and read the first uh, 11 chapters. So, love to have you join us on this journey. I think you'll, uh, if you've never read the New Testament, you'll be amazed at how practical, uh, how much it applies to our lives, how, how relevant it really is for each one of us today. So last Sunday, Jeff answered the first of two questions about prayer that we're answering in this series we've titled 365. Jeff answered the what question, what to pray. And if you were here last week, you know that Jeff didn't give us his answer. He gave us the answer that our Lord gave to his disciples when one day they asked him to teach them how to pray. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the second question, the how question, how should we pray? How should I pray? How should you pray? And, and the first thing I I'd like to do is just show you the answer that Jesus gave, and, and then we'll, we'll see what he said in giving us this answer. Now, the great thing about this, it's the answer we'd hope for. In fact, it might even be better than, uh, than you would anticipate. Uh, I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever asked a question hoping for a certain answer? You know, like, you hope this is what they're going to say. I mean, it's something we begin when we're little kids, right? And we hope we're going to hear the right answer. And so that's what we're going to hear today, the right answer to this question, how to pray. And so here it is, and we're, you're going to hear this many times today, and I would encourage you, if you, if you uh, take notes, however you do that, uh, to, to write this down. We're to, the how we're to pray is that we're to pray with confident perseverance. In fact, it's 
you might even write it this way to personalize it. You could say, Jesus, Jesus tells me, he, he gives me permission to pray with confidence and to pray with perseverance. Uh, he gives us this answer uh, with a story. In fact, two stories. Two stories that are very easy for us to understand. But really, they're, they're, they're illustrating, uh, what they're illustrating is, is a very overarching and profound principle or point about prayer. And what we're going to see is really the best thing we could ever hope to hear. I mean, the fact that you and I, God is actually telling us that we can come to him, the creator of this universe, God himself, with complete confidence and wholehearted perseverance in our prayer. I mean, I, th I think of anything that you can do, anything, and I'd say this is right at the top. It's something that you really do not want to miss. You want to grab that opportunity that God gives to each one of us. Now, I, I love hearing stories, and I, I love telling them. And when Greg and Nikki were little kids, one of my, and I'm sure I'm not, I'm not the only one, one of my favorite times with, with our two kids was at night when we tucked them into bed. I mean, it's just a, a really a very tender time between a, a, a parent, a dad or mom, in, in their, with their children. And as much as Greg and Nikki enjoyed the, me taking the time and, and reading stories to them, they even enjoyed more the stories that I made up. Every night, there was a new chapter in the story, which, by the way, I wrote as I told them the story. Okay, and in fact, I, I would go from one night into the next, not knowing what the next chapter was going to look like and what it was going to be. Ray and Nikki loved them. They, they really did. The problem with my stories is that they never really made any sense. They were like total nonsense, you could say. In fact, if I, if I could remember one of those stories and I told you it today, it would be some major eye rolling going on in this place because they, they were just, they were nonsense. Jesus was the best storyteller ever. Not only were his stories captivating, unlike my stories, they always came with a profound lesson about life. And the two stories we're going to hear today are great examples of this, both showing us that we can and we should pray with confident perseverance. The first story Jesus told was when his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. It's from, it's from the 11th chapter of Luke, the same, the same chapter that Jeff preached from last Sunday. It's a, it's a very short story, only four verses long, but it makes this powerful point about prayer that you and I can, that we should, that God gives us permission to pray with confident perseverance. So you're going to hear that a lot today. I want to make sure that this really sticks. So let's say this together, all right? And, and with a lot of enthusiasm, all right? I can pray with... All right. Perfect. Okay. Now here's the first story. Jesus tells it as if it's something that happened to any one of his listeners. Let me, just, let me just say this before I even tell. Back in that day, bread 
was a big deal in a meal. It's like, it's, it was such a major part of a meal that if you didn't have bread, you, you might, might as well not have a meal. So here's the story. Let's say that one night you have an unexpected guest show up at your house. It's very late. Your guest came from out of town, and he's very tired, and he's very hungry. And so you wanted to do, because you really, this was a very good friend of yours, you wanted to do everything you possibly could to make him as comfortable, as welcome as you possibly could. You knew he was hungry, and so you asked him, you said, you know what, what could I make for you to eat tonight? I just want to, I want to make whatever I, if, if I can do it, I want to make what you love. And he says to you, and we maybe just contemporize this story a little bit. He said, you know what, I remember the last time I was here, and you, you made the best grilled hamburgers I've ever had. You go, oh, I can do that. And so you start digging everything out, getting the hamburger and then the grill and, and all of that. And, and then you realize, man, I don't have any hamburger buns. Ah, but you had a very good friend who also happened to be a neighbor. So you ran over to his house. And now, again, it was, it was night. It was midnight. And you rang the doorbell. You know, just like over and over again, trying to wake him up. And, and you expected your good friend. I mean, it's your good friend, one of your best friends. You expected him to come right down, open the door. You could tell him what you needed, and he'd give it to you. But you're ringing the doorbell. Nothing. Then the window opens from the second story, which their bedroom happened to be in the front. So the window opens. Your good friend and neighbor hollers out, what do you want? What are you doing out here? And you said, you know what? I have this good friend came from out of town. He's hungry. I'm making him hamburgers. Do you have, do you have any hamburger buns? And your friend goes, are you nuts? You think I'm going to get up? Go out? We've, we've all gone to bed. Everybody's been sleeping. You think I'm going to come out of my house now and, and give you hamburger buns? Keep ringing the doorbell. Keep going. You keep going. Finally, finally, your grumpy friend comes downstairs, opens up the door, shoves the hamburger buns in your face, and slams the door shut. That's the first story. Here's what Jesus said in the punchline. Chapter 11, verse 8. He said, I tell you, Though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your bold persistence, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then Jesus talked about prayer. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Second story is found in chapter 18. This time it's a story about a widow and a judge. The very beginning of the story, Luke tells us why Jesus told it. And in the very first verse of this chapter, and right away it shows us it's about the same thing again. He said, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up.
Once again, he's talking about perseverance in prayer. And the story that he told points to the same answer to our how question, that, that we're to pray with confident perseverance. And so in Luke 18, verse 2, he begins with a story. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with, with the plea, grant, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's the story. Again, very short, only four verses. But again, the point that Jesus makes is profound, and it's huge in what it means for each one of our lives. And so the point of it, which he makes very clear to us in the next three verses, he said, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, we'll see that they get justice and quickly. Back up one chapter into the 17th chapter, and you'll see that Jesus had been telling his disciples about the increasing wickedness of this world. That, that as it moves toward human history, this world is going to become so wicked that, that those who follow him will long for his return. This is what led to Jesus telling his story. And he finishes it by asking a question about his return. Now, a question that's really a rhetorical question because Jesus knows the answer to the question. He said this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's talking about himself because Jesus is the Son of Man, and throughout all Scripture, he's referred to that way. And so what he's really saying is, when I come back to earth, am I going to find anyone who has faith in me? The point he's making is not a fun one to hear. He's saying the closer you and I move toward the end of time, the harder it will become to remain faithful to God. It's gonna, it's this, the, the wickedness of this world is going to become so severe that you wonder how anybody could even survive who's a follower of Christ. It's in this context that he tells the story to show that the God we pray to is nothing like the unjust judge. And, and because this is true, you and I have, have every reason to always pray and never give up. To, to pray with, what? Confident perseverance. And putting this story in this context, knowing what's coming, takes our, our gratitude to a much higher level that, that God is the God he is, that he, he makes it possible to, for us to pray this way, to, to pray this way as the world, our world right now, as it is and, and as it's going to become, that you and I can pray with confidence and perseverance. It also increases our motivation to pray for really what's, what's most important for each one of us to be able to, to, you know, survive in a world that becomes more wicked. 
The main character in this story is a widow. In those days, a, a widow generally had no education, no job, no money, no property, no power, no status. And uh, unless she had someone to care for her, she'd most likely become a beggar, the first century equivalent of a street person or a bag lady. Her life was even more difficult because for some reason she had an adversary who was determined to make her life miserable. Some, some unnamed local villain was harassing her. Perhaps he was intimidating her physically or perhaps he had stolen from her or was withholding something from her that was rightfully hers. And in, in any case, her adversary was winning and she was losing. She had no good way to protect herself. No relatives to come to her defense. No government organization to come to her aid. She, she had only one shot at warding off this villain, and that was to go before the local judge and plead her case, throwing herself on his mercy. And that's what she decided to do. In his story, Jesus described this judge in Two brief statements. He didn't fear God, and he didn't care about other people. You could say he was anti-God and anti-people. Clearly, he was not a nice guy. Without fear of God, this judge had no sense of, of accountability. He, he didn't respect God's word. He, he didn't worry about a future day of reckoning. And, and so he did whatever he wanted to do, decree injustice, wh whatever it was that suited his fancy. He was not a just judge. Without respect for his fellow man, this judge did not care how his decisions affected the people who, who were looking for justice in his courtroom. And, and since people didn't matter to him, he felt free to use and, and abuse them. Didn't see them as individuals to help, but as problems and interruptions, headaches, hassles. I would guess there was, there was only one thing that this guy was interested in. It was money. I believe the word is kickback. It was this kind of man who was his widow's last resort. And I think if you and I would have known her, we would have said to her, don't even try. I mean, don't even try going to this guy. And more than likely, he's in cahoots with your enemy. And, and the only thing he's going to do is spit in your face and throw you out in the street. Which is exactly what happened. But the story didn't end there. Terribly, <laughs> terribly disappointed by the judge's behavior, this this widow, she gathered her wits and she examined her situation one more time. And, and, and with grim resolve, she said to herself, I, I don't have any other option. I've, I've got to do something to get this judge to give me justice, the justice that I deserve. So she thought about it and she said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bug him. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be in his face all the time. I'm going to follow him to work. I'm going to follow him home. I'm just going to always, I'm just going to just keep pestering this guy until he gives me what I want. And that's what she did, and it worked. 
She said, yeah, pestering him until he couldn't take it any longer, and he gave her the justice that she deserved. That's the story. So what's the lesson? What point was Jesus making in telling it? Well, hang with me on this because it's possible that it'll change your whole view of God. You see, the story is a story in contrast. First, first, we're not like the widow. Truth is, our situation is the very opposite of hers. She, she was forgotten and abandoned with no relationship to the judge. We, on the other hand, are created by a loving God who, who hasn't forgotten or abandoned us. He, a God who wants a relationship with us so much that he gave his son to die for us. In the same way, God's nothing like the judge. God's not uncaring and heartless. He's not moved to act because he's tired of our nagging. Instead, God loves us. He, he's deeply concerned for each one of us. We, we matter to him, and, and God wants to answer our prayers. Our, our God is righteous and responsive and tenderhearted and sympathetic and kind. What this means for us it's huge. It means when we pray, we, we don't have to pray if it's, as if God's reluctant to listen to us and answer our prayer. Prayer isn't a matter of wearing God down until we finally receive our, our request from his tightly clenched fist. The Bible teaches that God loves to bless us. It's in his nature. It's who God is. It's a giving God, a, a blessing God, and an encouraging and loving God. What God does, because who God is, gives us every reason to pray with confident perseverance. If you've attended Brookside very long, you've probably heard me say this more than once, that I have two parts of the Bible that are my favorite. I love all of the Bible, but I have two parts that mean the most to me. One is the eighth chapter of the book of Romans in the New Testament. The other one is three verses in, 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 the, uh, in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'd like to just share these verses with you. So first of all, from Romans chapter 8, this, this statement, in the same way, he's, Paul's looking back to all the things God does for us. He said, in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Has any, anybody ever been there like, I don't even know how to say this to God? That kind of deal? We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. What that's saying is that God the Holy Spirit feels what we're feeling so deeply that, that when he intercedes for us and prays, he's doing it with groans. He's, he has that much emotion and feeling for us. Wow. And then how about this statement from the same chapter, verse 34. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Praying for us. That, I would say, gives us confidence, doesn't it? To pray with perseverance. And then I love this from the book of Hebrews. It 
the writer said, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. I love this. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who's been, been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, here's what this means when it comes to prayer. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, God's interested in your prayer because God's su supremely interested in you. God has this universe functioning just fine. For God, what's most important is what's going on in your life. You're, you're what preoccupies the attention of God. And as amazing as this is, it's what Jesus is pointing us to, us, us to in this story. He's, he's saying, you have God's heart. You have God's ear. God, God's supremely interested in you. So you can pray with confidence and you can persevere in your prayer. Pray about stuff that's little. Pray about the big stuff. Nothing's too big or too little for God. Now, the added thing about this that gives us confidence to persevere in our prayer is that God doesn't give us everything we ask. You see, God's this perfect combination of, of love and wisdom. When you ever, do you ever struggle sometimes as a parent? Should I do this or shouldn't I? You know, God never has to struggle with that because God's perfect, right? Perfect wisdom, perfect love. So here's what you can count on, three things. If the request is wrong, God says no. See, it's possible for any one of us to make requests that are totally self-serving or blatantly materialistic. I've done that. I'm guessing you have. Asking things of God that are short-sighted and, and immature. And it's possible that you can, you can even pray for things that really Sincerely, you believe are the best, best for you or, or best for the person you're praying for. But even in those times, God sees our lives from a, from a far greater perspective. God, God knows better than anyone what's truly the best for us. And I mean, we've all been there, right? It, where we have in total sincerity, I mean, right motivation, right intentions, we prayed and we've asked God for something. It was a very good thing. It wasn't, it wasn't with the wrong motivation. It wasn't a bad thing. Everything about it was the right thing. But, but God still said no to our prayer. Unfortunately, when our requests are inappropriate or what's not best, God's answer is no. It's also true that if the timing's wrong, God says, slow. I mean, it's true, isn't it? There's, there's this little child in all of us that, that wants God to answer every one of our prayers and do it like yesterday, right? Like, right now, God, answer this prayer. Fortunately, there are those times when God tells us that we need to wait. 
And, and God doesn't explain himself or try to justify himself. God, God simply tells you, slow down, wait on my timing, trust me, I know what I'm doing. God always has good reasons for his not yet. And very often, it's, it's to develop his character in you that, that only can come through the hard times, through pain and suffering or disappointments and challenges. The thing you can count on is that God always sees the greater and the larger view of your life. There's one more thing you can count on when it comes to prayer. If you're wrong, God says, grow. The psalmist said it this way. He said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. See, God's not, not, God's not going to let any one of us live in, a, in, in sinful disobedience with, with an unwillingness to change and still answer our prayer. When this is happening, the only prayer that God's going to hear from us is one of confession and repentance. So where does this bring us? I think it brings us to a great place. Brings us to the truth that if the request is right and the time is right and we're right, then God's going to answer our prayer. I mean, this is a great thing about God. You, you, I mean, you can always count on God to get this right. God knows when the request is right and God knows when the time is right and, and God knows when your heart is right. Which means that you have every reason to pray with confident Perseverance, right? See, I think we nailed it with the title for this two-week series on prayer where we said Prayer 365. It's really saying exactly what Jesus said in these two stories. It's, it's all about perseverance, making it our goal not only to read the Bible every day, but to pray every day, 365 days a year. And doing it, the confidence in the God who hears each and every prayer. Last Sunday, Jeff, uh, one of the things Jeff talked about was our, our whole posture in prayer. Talked about praying to God with our, our palms turned up. What that's really talking about, what it's really saying to God is, God, I... I come to you in humility, and, and God, I come to you in trust that you know what's best for my life. God, I'm trusting in your love, and God, I'm trusting in your wisdom. I'm trusting in your power. Let's stand together and let's pray, all right, and then we'll worship. Father, there's so many, many things to thank you for. And prayer's one of them. God, how incredible it is that in a moment's notice, at any time, in any place, we can just lift up to you our prayer. We can, we can just come to you with whatever it is. How amazing, God, how incredible. To think that we can have a conversation with you, the creator of this universe, almighty God. 
we can pray everything to you in prayer. God, I thank you that we can ask you for things that are so big in the hardest times of our lives that we can cry out with every bit of emotion inside of ourselves and know that you are listening with such attention and such love and such care. And God, I thank you that we, just like little children, we can come to you with, with the smallest, smallest little thing and know that you're not going to look at us and push us back and say that's too small. But God, you're going to listen to us. God, I thank you we can come to you in times of, of discouragement and hurt. Thank you, God, that we can come to you of times in our life when we're just, we're just overwhelmed with joy. God, more than anything, I thank you that we can praise you. That we can praise you, God, for who you are. And, and God, we can thank you for everything you've done, not only in our own lives, the lives of so many people. And God, I thank you that as we live in our world today, we can pray to you for our world. We can pray, Father, for all the hard things we see going around us. And we know that you're almighty God. You're all-powerful. You're all-wise. You hear our prayer. Father, thank you, most of all, for your Son. Your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross. And, and by doing that, he made it possible, Father, this whole thing of prayer possible. Because he bridged the gap between us and our sinfulness. And you and your holiness. So, Father, with gratitude, we pray this prayer. In Christ's name, amen.